0: But we are responsible to do our best with what He's given us, with the talents that He's given us. It's a sobering reminder. Well, uh, tonight, don't turn to Colossians. You got a little taste of Colossians <coughs> this week in your Sunday school study if you made it through the first week. But turn, uh, we're just gonna stay in Daniel tonight. You know, there's there's so many ways that we could have direct I could have directed this. And really most of the information that Um, I I need us to be aware of as we continue through Revelation. We can find a Daniel. I may still take another service and and go through some more of Daniel and Matthew 24. Um, These are um, associate passages that really kind of bring all the the information together. Then you have the passages in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians as well that talk about end times and uh, many more. Um, Tonight's, again, is more informational, but as we continue through the details of the book of Revelation, even like we had this morning with the seals, um, timelines, personalities like the Antichrist will continue to be referenced, and so we need to know the scope of the biblical data to better understand our what we believe is the accurate, the most accurate interpretation of these individuals and events, that's why we hold to a pre-tribulation, pre-millennial position. And uh, we're going to look at passages in Daniel tonight. You can, we'll start at Daniel 9, so you can taint, you can start there. Turn there. And we're going to gain more understanding of why we hold to this pre-trib, pre-mill position of interpretation of Scripture. <coughs> uh, these are, it, it, would, it would be nice if we could go to Revelation and... God, it it was spelled out, okay, seven years of tribulation and the seal judgments are here. And even if God maybe had given us a chart, now there are some people that have made charts that almost act like it's inspired, but they're not. (laughs) Uh, We don't find God didn't give us a nice drawn out chart within Revelation. So as we're working through these passages and even the seal judgments, uh, I realize that questions may come to mind like, well, why does pastor say that there is seven years in the tribulation? And why does he say that the seal judgments from the best interpretation is that that happens at the first half of the tribulation? Um, And that's where we pull in details from from Daniel. Um, This is something that we have to be humble about and careful about in these things. We find these details more from practical application and putting these things together than, than just finding one verse that says um, tribulation is seven years, and that's why um, we we always we, we hold to our end times positions, um, you know, with with commitment certainly, uh, but we can understand at the same time when other folks um, that are good people that love Jesus Christ, proclaim the gospel, would maybe adhere to a different end times. Interpretation than we would. Um, we, we should be kind and, and genuine with those people as well, because again, we're taking the data and making the best interpretation that we can. I had a, uh, a, a professor at Bob Jones University um, that would make this comment many times. He said, "I," and he was more reformed, so he he was strongly pre-mill particularly pre-millennial, and he said, if someone held a gun to my head and said, do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe in the vicarious atonement of Christ? Uh, um, and basically, if, if you won't reject these, then, then I'll shoot you. Kind of an extreme example. Then he said, go ahead and shoot, because I'm not, I'm not moving on those things. Those things are concrete. We, we believe in those he said, if that same person said, change your position as a pre-tribulationist, he might say, well, we might have a little room for debate on that, <laughs> because uh, it, it's, not, it's something that we come to based on the full data, but it's not specifically stated, and you'll see what I, what I mean on that. So we do hold to a pre-trib, pre-mill position, and I'm confident in that. But at the same time, you may see some things that that are uncomfortable, but in the best context, make the most sense as far as some of these years and and why we hold to this position, okay? So let's talk about Daniel's 70th week, first of all, as the seven-year tribulation. I should mention something else here, too, as we get into numbers and things. I'm not a prophecy expert, okay? You could go listen to David Jeremiah or something like that. He's got better maps than I do in things. And I'm also not a great mathematician. So I'm I'm really trying to keep this as basic as possible. If we have time, we'll take some time for questions. But I will admit to you, uh, because the scope of prophecy is so broad, there may be some things where I say tonight, I'll write that down and I'll get back with you maybe next week or we can talk about it personally. Because... Uh, I'm not prepared tonight to talk about every aspect of prophecy, but to give us a background for the revelation and the tribulation so we can have a better understanding. (laughs) So where do we get the idea for the tribulation period that it's seven years? Um, One important passage is Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. He says, Seventy weeks are decreed, about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Um, Seventy weeks are what many of the... Translations say. I don't know, is any, any of them say 77s? I know the ESV does not. <coughs> any, any of the translations that you have? Probably most of them are 70 weeks. Well, this actually describes, in terms of, of units of seven, actual years rather than weeks. Let me explain that. In Hebrew, 70 weeks is literally 77s. That's what that means in Hebrew. Um the weeks are referring to periods of seven without specifying what the units of time are. In other words, the Hebrew word for weeks actually means seven, and it doesn't specify is it weeks, is it days, is it years? It's 77s. Okay. I, because of that, I think that week is in some ways an unfortunate translation. It's understandable, and many times people are trained to understand that this is referring to a prophetic week in verse 24. And those prophetic weeks translate into years. A lot of people understand that, but unfortunately not everybody does. So when they read 70 weeks, there are still those that think, okay, well I know how many days are in a week, and so this must be... um, A time frame looking at a calendar things like that 70 weeks doesn't seem like that long of a time Uh, so we have to look at context to really understand why we take the position that these 70 weeks are years and so we're going to talk about that the years rather than weeks fit best into the context and rather than days so think of it not as 70 weeks but the actual Hebrew means seventy sevens. we all clear on that okay Um, So, with that understanding, those sevens, again, fit the context better, talking about years than days. One reason is, um, Jews were very familiar with the concepts of seven years and seven days because it was the language of the sabbatical year. The seventh year in which God required rest for the land. So there was already a background where when they heard this word seven and they saw this Hebrew word, they would either be thinking years or days because of um, how God had worked in his law and his expectations in the past. Um, that, That language of that sabbatical year was God's expectation of rest every seven years. So there's only two types of sevens really mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures, and that's sevens of days and sevens of years. There's no sevens of weeks um, in in context and in the actual definition of the word. So, um, the events then that are continued to be described as we continue to read through these, (coughs) let's just continue, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince shall be seven weeks or seven sevens. Then for sixty-two sevens, again, that's the actual translation of the Hebrew, not weeks. Sixty-two sevens, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two sevens, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. If all this is referring to days rather than years, that is not enough time to have all this happen. It's just impossible. There's too much going on here. So in context, then, this must really refer to years. And so that 77, now for those of you that really enjoy mathematics, this is your opportunity, Seventy-sevens is 490. 490. Okay, very good. So 490 years is what we're talking about. And it says it's decreed that Hebrew word really has the idea of cut out or carved out by God. In fact, this is a specific time. These 490 years are a time carved out by God for his specific purposes in regards to a specific people. And this is important to understand with regards to this understanding of prophecy. It says your people and your holy city. So the context here is God's specific purposes for the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Make sense? Okay. Um, Before we go any further, and again, this is more informational tonight, so it's a little different. Any any questions? I'll do the best I can on this. Yes. (laughs) So if
1: this seems to be pretty common amongst biblical scholars... When they do a, a recent revision, like ESV or maybe even New King James, why don't they put it as accurate as they can versus still stating what the old term means
0: versus what we understand today? Um, I actually found myself wondering that as I was studying for this. And that will be one of those things I, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm guessing now, and I'll have to look up to do a little more research on that because I'd have to check with each the stated purpose of you, you can find these things online with the different versions and why they interpreted it in, in a specific way. I'm not really sure except that 70 weeks has become such a common way of thinking of this. And there's the expectation that we would understand that weeks actually mean um, prophetic weeks, which would mean years. Um, but as I'm thinking through this, I think, you know, 77s would be easier as far as a pastor to explain this rather than try to explain. Because weeks you just think seven days. And not always. And for somebody who's not um, accustomed. Or, or
1: has
0: been exposed to much scripture. They would just think a seven day a week. So I need to look into that some more. That's a question actually that I was wondering too. And uh, I'll find out more details soon. If any of you have any other uh, information or ideas. But it, it's a good point. Any, any other Um, thoughts or concerns? Does it it make sense so far what I presented? So if we have these 490 years then, then uh, Daniel goes further and he gives us what are going to be accomplished in those 490, those 77s. And here's a list to finish the transgression. Now let's look at each of these. What would that be referring to? It's in context with the Jewish people here, and many scholars um, believe this is the case, and I do too because of context. Um, it's best referring to the rebellion and the apostasy of the Jewish people. In other words, this tribulation time, this 490 years, what God is doing, by the end of that time, his people will have turned back to him, and they'll turn away from apostasy and from rebellion against him. They'll finally turn to him. And we will see that in the book of Revelation. So... To finish the transgression is really in context here. It would have to be in context with the Jewish people. And it's their rebellion and apostasy against him. That will end. They will see him and turn to him again. And that will be quite the, quite the experience. Then it says to put an end to sin. I think we can probably figure that out, what that's referring to. But that's God's final dealing and eradication of sin from creation. It's his cleaning up all the brokenness and renewing the new heavens, the new earth. At the end of all this, there will be no more sin. And so at the end of this time, we will, there will be a time, folks, where we will not be dealing with sin and its brokenness any longer. There will be an end to it. And that gives us wonderful hope, and we praise the Lord for that. And also to atone for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, let me throw that out there to you folks, because I think this is pretty easy to figure out. What would he be referring to um, within these weeks, a very specific event that would atone for iniquity and bring everlasting righteousness? Jesus. Yep. The the sacrifice, the death of Jesus, his coming, um, all of that is included in this time. He He atones for our iniquity. He brings us everlasting righteousness. We have Christ's righteousness that will give us eternal life, referring here to the sacrifice, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then it says to seal both vision and profit. And again, different interpretations, even among conservative folks. Some say that this is um, when Jesus returns again and sets up his kingdom as the word at that time. Um, he will have completed all of God's revelation and so seal both vision and prophet. Um, I think better, though, this <laughs> refers to um, the canonization of Scripture um, and the completion of the Scripture canon. And that did take place within this time frame as well. That's one of the purposes. And then to anoint the most holy place is maybe the most difficult to understand. It's still future. And it refers probably to the New Jerusalem and I think as well a symbolic temple in the Millennial Kingdom. Now there won't be the need for sacrifices in the Millennial Kingdom. Christ was the final sacrifice. But we do have chapters and chapters in the end of Ezekiel of details, I mean incredible details about this temple that Ezekiel is measuring that's coming in the future. And combined with that, an anointing of a most holy place, Seems to be in the millennial kingdom, a representative temple with representative sacrifices that don't—that's not for atoning, but to remind us of what Christ did for us. I think is is the best, most accurate um, expectation there. So, any question on any of that? Okay, you're probably just kind of maybe thinking of this through this the first time. All right. Well, we're still trying to figure out, okay, where does that seven years come from for the tribulation, right? Well, let's continue to look at verse 25, because what happens here then is Daniel, or not Daniel, but the um, angel that is giving him this, um, divides that 490 years into three sections, okay? Takes that time Three sections of time within that 490 years. Look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Okay, The seven weeks there um, would be seven sevens. Uh, And uh, let's see here. I'm getting... Okay, losing my notes here. Seven sevens would be 49 years, right? Hopefully my math is correct on that. And what will be represented in that 49 years, that seven sevens? Jerusalem will be restored. Now, where is is the Jewish history at, the Jewish people at this point, at the writing and the prophecies of Daniel? Well, they're still in captivity. In fact, Daniel... Praise that they will be released from captivity soon as he's reading from the book of Jeremiah and sees Jeremiah says 70 years in captivity and then they'll return. And Daniel prays for the people to return and then he gets these prophecies in response to this. And so here he finds out that, um, they, that the people will be restored <clears throat> and Jerusalem will be built back up. They will be returning to their homeland And that represents that first then 49 years, the return of the Jews to their homeland and the rebuilding of the temple and the city as well. And of course, all of that took place. Uh, Nehemiah built the walls. They had already built the temple with Ezra there. And that took place exactly as was forecast by the angel to Daniel in those 49 years. Then the next here, then for 62 sevens, which is, by my count, 434 years. This is the second section of time. It shall be built again with squares and and a moat, but in a troubled time. And after those 62 sevens, again, that 434 years, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. And desolations are decreed. What is this second period then? This uh, seems to best represent the period between the reestablishment of Jerusalem and the temple as a starting point to the coming of Christ, his death. It says there, um, the prince or, or an anointed one shall be cut off. And shall have nothing. That uh, is best uh, considered with Jesus Christ as the Messiah, who is also the Messiah, is known as the chosen one, the anointed one. Will be cut off. His death, his coming, and then is described um, destroy the city and the sanctuary. This is a second time. And if you know your New Testament history. After the death of Christ and after the book of the Acts and and other books of the New Testament, except for the writings of John, in A.D. 70, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. And they literally did come as a flood. And so that is speaking then of the destruction of the Jewish temple, that one that Herod had created for them that second time. And it says, to the end there shall be war. And this seems, and desolations are decreed, this seems to indicate that war and desolations will continue to be a part of the history of Israel, which if you know anything about the history of Israel, that, does, that, is, that has been, unfortunately, a regular part of their history. Even in the 1900s, uh, many, many wars, even about the time I was born and, and other things, and God has, has miraculously brought that nation back together at the end of World War II, and um, they are there in the land now, and, and God is working through that, but there's been wars, and they throughout church history, they were without a country for a long time, and this just kind of describes, this is going to be the continual experience of the Jewish people, until you have, so, so far you have those two periods, so, uh 49 and 434 adds up to, I think it's 483. Am I right on that? It's 43. That leaves one week or one seven-year period left. And that is in verse 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one seven, one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end, that is, God's appointed time, is poured out on the desolator. So you have this final seven-year period. That one week is one-sevens, and that is the final seven-year period. Um, And really, what happens here? because this is a prophecy for the Jewish people it's it, it's a type of prophecy that we can refer to as it, it's referred to as telescoping and that is when you look through a telescope at a mountain range right you can see mountains up close and then you can see mountains farther off in the distance but when you're looking at them with that telescope they seem to be right almost right next to each other like touching each other and yet those mountain ranges can be sometimes you know Tens, maybe over 100 miles away, that kind of thing. But it's how you're looking at that. That really is in what God does with prophecy many times. is He will, in one verse, verse 26, be talking about the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70, and then he will jump ahead to the Antichrist. That's That mountain range is separated, but in the prophecy it looks like you're kind of looking at the whole thing. So he jumps really over church history. He skips over the church together. Well, why would he do that? The church is an important part. We're a part of the church. This is a prophecy for Jewish people and for their city. And so we really don't enter into this in this specific aspect of the prophecy. So it's skipped over, and then we come to this beginning of this week, what happens? He shall make a strong covenant And he then is the Antichrist. And we'll see more of the Antichrist mentioned in Daniel and some of these other passages in just a minute. A strong covenant means that uh, Antichrist will make peace, a covenant with Israel, and that will begin the final seven sevens, the, the tribulation period. That will be the beginning of that. And then it says halfway through. What's halfway through seven years? Three and a half years. Then um, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. He'll put aside, because all that will be a sham. The Antichrist in the end wants people worshiping him. But he'll act like he's with them and God's people and act like he's interested in worshiping God. But halfway through that tribulation, he reveals his true intentions. Now, get rid of all the sacrifices and all the worship to God. Worship me. That's what I'm all about. And he'll do that halfway through the tribulation. And um, it continues to say he will make many abominations. Um, He will do much damage. But God has decreed that in the end, that his end is secured. That God will deal with him at some point in time. As awful as what this Antichrist is and what he does, he'll only be uh, be, um, on the scene... For a minimum of seven years. And that's not a lot of time. And God will deal with it. And that's where we get that seven-year tribulation and how it's halved halfway through. And then with context and what we see with uh, the passage this morning in Revelation, it seems best that those seal judgments really come in the first half of that because the Antichrist comes and all these difficult things happen. But it doesn't describe later on as we get to Revelation. We'll see what happens throughout the rest of the tribulation. But it seems best those seals really fall at the beginning of the tribulation. So that's how you kind of put all this together.
1: Something I don't necessarily can't add up.
0: And I need to apply that to where the Lord has put me right now in this time period too. Yeah. it's, It's interesting to say that, Lord, because as you're reading through Daniel... Daniel has the same reaction. When he finishes with with these prophecies, it says many times, and I was troubled. He just left troubled and trying to figure it out. Daniel didn't have it all figured out. And finally at the end, Daniel 12, uh, the angel said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And he says, this is all the understanding you're going to get now, but you can trust the Lord that it's true. And then eventually there was more understanding given. In the New Testament especially, through Christ in Matthew 24, and the book of Revelation does provide more of the details that Daniel didn't get about how this works together. Uh, but yeah, Daniel went to the, came to the end of this and was very confused as well. And yet he trusted God and was faithful with, with what God had given him. Um, so there's that aspect, but again, the other thing, the point that you all are making as well, that I want to be careful on the other side of it is sometimes people can give so many, so much information and give the, the seven year tribulation, and you know you've got the book series Left Behind, which you know my boys have enjoyed or Arden's read through, um, but some of these numerical details they can just put out there and say, well, it, it almost, you almost feel like you can go to Daniel and Revelation and it just says seven year tribulation and things. And people can get a little put off by that, a little, like Warren was saying, a little concerned. Um, I don't know if you remember the, the movie series, uh, what was it called, in the 70s, The Thief in the Night series. Man, that was, I don't know if you've ever seen that. If you haven't, I wouldn't worry about it. It's probably on CD, you could probably get it online, but... It was this very vivid, and it, it was the left-behind books in a movie series back in the 70s before Tim LaHaye ever got a hold of the concept. And I remember our, our church, our pastor was real excited about showing these movies. And I was maybe Hudson's age. And these things were vivid and dramatic. I mean, you had guillotines, and you had people that was... Um, pretty, um, part where a lady was put into the guillotine and then a, a huge fierce thunderstorm scared everybody away and she's just there hoping that the I mean it scared me to death as a child and all these different details and the more I, I got into this and, and became an adult and studied through this I'm like okay I see where they get all these details but I need to be careful with people to let them know where we understand so so that we have a full understanding of scripture and that we're Gracious to those that come to things a little bit differently than than we do on this particular issue. Now, if you're gonna argue with me about the atoning blood of Christ, forget it. No argument. But these things are a little different. Yes, Andy. So I think
1: you just hit on a point that really clarified things for me is that the prophecy that Daniel's been given. These are the words that he was given, not necessarily that he understood. But this is what he, okay, Lord, this is what you gave me. Yes. This, this is what I got to work with. And then, but when you turn to chapter 10 in Daniel, it's more of Daniel talking, and then he's back to the normal in the third year. He really means the third year, Mm -hmm. right? And when he, when he uh, was mourning for three weeks, it was really three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. 5-9. yes
0: yes okay so that's okay um, that yeah that's a little more standard um, but when you get to these prophetic weeks they're described in, in actual translation a little bit differently and this is the, the best way that we can think of more accurate way to describe them we have a little bit of time here let's do one more uh, Daniel 12 5 through 10. Maybe we'll just go into this for next week too because I, I do want to give you a little more information about the Antichrist, and I'm not in a hurry here. Um, well, I just want to make sure that we understand as we continue to work through Revelation in the background. I would really encourage you, though, to read at least the second half of Daniel, Matthew 24. Jesus gives us a lot of information. And then you can come to me and we can kind of work through how all the details work together. Um, then I, Daniel chapter 12, verse 5, Looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, and he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and a half a time, and that when the shattering power the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. All these things would be finished and that's the dealing with God's people and then that time, times, and a half a time is best interpreted as the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Now, why would I say that? Time.
1: Time is singular. Time is plural. and a half time. Yep. One, One, two,
0: three. And- Since since we're talking in the context of years then, this is where we we get that. And also remember that we've just looked at a passage that said half of seven years. So we know it's three and a half. But this is another way of saying really in context three and a half. Um, And that will be the second half where God will use all these things to shatter his people's pride and bring them back to him. And then I said Well, and this is what we were talking about just a minute ago. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And probably referring there until more revelation would be given in the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. You can still expect that these things are going to continue to go on, so you just serve faithfully. There'll be those that are faithful to God. There'll be those that are wicked. But none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Those that seek after knowledge from God will eventually uh, be given that. And we, folks, we have more privilege and understanding from God's Word today than Daniel did back then. Are we going to be the wise that seek to understand? God will give understanding. So just another aspect of that time and how it's described. I think that's a good place to stop. We won't get into um, the Antichrist tonight, but we'll see next week. We'll just take another week and see him and talk about the little horn. You know, it is very vivid, isn't it? This little horn that comes out and is talking and really, really creepy. Uh, and what the Bible says about um, his reign really meshes with what we talked about this morning. And I want you to see that from Daniel from the Old Testament. Any other thoughts about this? Any other insights that you have? Yeah, Rob. I think just the initial insight you led off with when we started, you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So kind of if we pursue looking at that book with that understanding, as I read, how do I more see Jesus for who he is? It's like, there are lots of details, but how does it point me to Christ? And how do I see God, Jesus, for more who he is? It's yeah. a great perspective. Yeah. It, and and it, it is the right one. Um... And it's so important for us to keep that in the midst of. We can get so bogged down in the details and all the charts and everything and, and hear people. And it is interesting, right? We should have an interest in it. But, um, and, and even the, the terribleness of those judgments, it's hard not to kind of get swept away, no pun intended, by all of this. But even this morning, who was opening the seals? Who was in control? Clearly, Christ and uh, he's going to do what's best for us. Yes, Andy? It just seems to me that uh, based
1: on uh, chapter 12, verse 8, when he says, I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Mm -hmm. And that was, you didn't get an answer. (laughs) Yeah. So what's more important is
0: that God said it, not that we understand it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or try to to blame him if we don't have the understanding that we that we think we should, and sometimes people will develop um, end times systems and all the maps and everything, and they they're almost like they have to happen this way. And if there's one detail or one thing that's a little more, well, I'm not so sure. Sometimes it can even shake their faith because they think they figured it all out. And God gave us enough to know to focus on him and focus on Christ, but we're not going to understand every aspect of it. That's why we'll have all eternity to ask questions in heaven. Right? <laughs> I've got my list. And Daniel has his list. I'm sure you do too. What we can trust. That's a good way to end. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to just give further understanding, but realize there are limits to our comprehension and that shouldn't make us fearful because you are in the end although you've given us your revelation you are an incomprehensible God in the fact that we will never understand everything about you thank you for giving us what you gave us thank you for sending Jesus the word to reveal who you are and that he did atone for iniquity and provided us everlasting righteousness and let us be glad for these things and humble gracious towards others that love the Lord and may come to a different conclusion on some of these um, issues, but still love Christ and stand for the gospel. And, Lord, we'll know know better when it takes place that we do look forward to the coming of Jesus and being raptured away from all this (coughs) trouble and tribulation. We look forward to worshiping the Lamb forever. Even so, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.